High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Son, you gotta work late. Sometimes I wonder what I'm gonna do, but there ain't no cure for the summertime blues. Welcome to another summer school edition of High School Slumber Party, the podcast for me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my place this evening. But first, summer school is still in session, and we have some homework to chat about. So, your homework, your summer assignment, the last episode, did you listen to it? It was an AP episode. We talked sex appeal, and I want to thank Island Addington for being so frank and so honest and so amazing, as always, on it. Check out that episode, along with all the other High School Slumber Party episodes at cageclub.me, that's cageclub.me, or wherever you're listening right now, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. While you're there, leave us a positive rating or a five-star review. Also, you can help the show by telling a friend about High School Slumber Party. Spread the word. It's a wacky, weird show, but we need your support. As you probably know, we are on summer school. We don't know if we're going to survive the fall. I'm trying to get all the old episodes out. I'm trying to do some new episodes. And today is one of those kind of catch-up things. We've been talking Corey Haim and Corey Feldman for a while. And by we, I mean Mike Manzi and myself, Mike Manzi, the new superintendent. He's partially in charge of whether we get renewed. Point is, it's about time we close the season, right? We'll talk more Corey films next year, I'm sure. But we have to move on. So we put together a nice little finale, nice little capper on the season yeah, we talk about some of the episodes we already did, but we cover three films that aren't teen films, but they're essential for the Corey Haim and Corey Feldman catalog. So let's get to it. Pack your favorite jammies. Tell your mother you're sleeping at Brian's, because we're about to get our party on. Let's leave you with the fell dog himself, Corey Feldman, who sings the theme, believe it or not, to Dream a Little Dream 2. Enjoy the episode. All right, listen. I'm trusting you guys, okay? Don't make me do anything stupid. Welcome back to 
close out our Corey lap here. It is a summer. You're the new superintendent, and you know we we have to do it. We've dragged <laughs> up this Corey thing for a while, but we we wanted to you know talk about some random little Corey's two Corey's leftovers, right? Stuff that didn't really fit into that mm-hmm. high school slumber party mold. So, Mike, you can introduce yourself. You don't have to, though. They know you by now. Oh, They've man. been listening. It's okay. So. Well, I guess now I'm superintendent, Mike Manzi, <laughs> RHS class of 97, go Maroons. Uh, but this project here was put into play before I gained any sort of power and control. So it's off the rails and can't be stopped. Corey, <laughs> Corey, Corey forever. You can't, you can't control it. Just go along with it. That's what I've learned. So here we are. <laughs> One of the weird things about this podcast is how many podcasts are in this podcast. <laughs> and when we started this Corey thing, I don't think we thought there were this many movies, but we definitely have a two Corey's podcast within this podcast, right? Like- yeah, yeah. So have you ever thought about like creating other feeds for these other strains of high school slumber party? I don't know what else strings, like other variants that have launched into their own realities. Like, you know, put the two Corey's on its own feed and see how well it does. Are there just Corey I mean, fans out there? We could. I think that would be something that the Godfather Joe and Lewandowski would have to advise me on. I don't know if it costs him extra. Now we're getting in the week to put other feeds on, but I'd pay it. I'm curious if there's other Corey fans out there who want to find yeah. out, you know, where their Corey show is because, you know, I think I'd have to edit it a little here and there. You guys don't mm-hmm. care, but <laughs> we're talking this one out loud regardless. <laughs> I mean, because we got it. Let's be honest. We got to fill a little bit of time. Here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, if we did have our own Corey show, I brought it up. We would cover these movies separately. We would probably be doing that against our will somehow, but we would cover these movies separately. We would definitely have some guests on against their will. Yes, I, I tell yes, you that there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but because they are not high school films, but they are so important to the Corey story, we want to cover them in this format. So we're going to do mm. a couple of different ones today. Um, the first one we're starting with, though, is a sequel to a film that you and I had a really long episode on, but it happened to be one of the most listened to episodes of High School Slumber Party. We disagreed on what we thought of this film, and that is Dream a Little Dream, but today we're talking about Dream a Little Dream 2. Corey Feldman. And Corey Haynes. You're not going to believe it. Sorry. Who really hit it off in the hit Dream a Little Dream are hilariously reunited and discover Robin Lively. I'm not into kind of a thing. In Dream of Little Dream 2. Here we go again. Whoa. What? This is too weird. Oh, yeah. A pair of sunglasses. Really strange. Wow. Major head rush. Nice colors. All right. Seems like whoever's wearing one pair will do what the person wearing the other pair wants them to do. Don't make me do anything stupid. First, I'm going to teach you how to make love like a man. I thought this feeling coming over me. My dream girl is believing the thing I see. You know, for a second there, I was actually thinking that you weren't even interested in me. All you wanted was those dumb glasses. What a fool, huh? If these glasses fall to the wrong hands, something really bad is going to happen. Things are getting strange. You look good. You look real good. 
unlimited resources. Five million dollars? There is, however, one proviso. I get to wear those glasses and you wear these. Dream a little dream too. Some dreams you just never want to end. one existed so i i kind of was and i wasn't i remember when it came up doing the chorus thing i was like all oh, right there there was a weird little sequel somewhere at one point but i had never seen it i didn't really know anything at all about it and uh this is my first complete viewing of it you know i mean i, mean, I knew the basics i knew the two Corys were in it and i knew that you know, let's just you know, VIP of high school slumber party, Teen Witch herself, Robin Lively. You know, oh, like yeah. I, I knew that much about it. And I think I knew about it because she was in it. You know, I think before I knew the core, you know, I was like, what other movies is Robin Lively and what Dream a Little Dream 2? <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's the story of that. So not a lot of background on this film online. It's a weird one. They're definitely not in high school. It is a sequel to Dream a Little Dream. But it has a very, very, very different feel. So the insight I kind of have in this era, and you would see it continue for like another decade, is that Corey Feldman is trying to sort of revive his career, sort of be, I don't want to say relevant again, but yeah, I'll say it, relevant again. So he's <laughs> acquiring the rights to some of his previous properties and making these straight to VHS films, right? We'll see a lot of Lost Boys sequels oh, yeah. this way. Um, so he's, I believe, the lead producer or one of the lead producers. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help but laugh because and I don't mean to laugh at you, Corey Feldman. You know that we're Corey fans here. But I was a little shocked to find out that he's the lead singer on the soundtrack to this. Did you catch that, Mike? <laughs> well, I kind of figured it out after he gave himself uh, Michael Jackson style dance sequence and started singing the title song, you know, and I was like, all right, this is like a, this is a vanity project in that sense that, yeah, what you just said, they're just trying to keep the party going an extra day or two. It's strange. It's strange. Corey Feldman is back as Bobby. Corey Haim is back as Dinger. They refer to what's his name, Jason Robard's character, like, He's communicating with them, sort of, right? He's some of these glasses. Right. But I would argue, Mike, this movie's not crazy enough. I was looking forward to for oh, some yeah. lunacy. They they talk about putting these glasses on. So the plot is that instead of like going into dreams, the professor has sent him these glasses. He's passed away. but And these glasses can make you sort of control the other person. They make you see things differently. But we never get to see what that looks like. We see other dreams in here. But they put on the glasses and they're just like, whoa, the colors. We never see the colors. Yeah, like a uh, completely wasted premise. Uh, here, <laughs> here's here's the yeah, the movie in a nutshell is they are having weird dreams from the last movie. Robin Lively plays Corey Haim's sister. So now they're living in L.A. with her. I don't know what happened to Bobby's girlfriend. I guess they split up. There is zero mention of her. She went yeah. and married Patton Oswalt eventually. <laughs> Uh, and they get sent these weird glasses. Yeah, one one person puts on one pair and one person puts on the other. And you can kind of read that person's mind and, and they you, you do what they want you to do. It's very kind of unclear. Like, they're not even sure how they work. Uh, but the movie is about 
other people chasing them down to get the glasses from them. It's not about using the glasses to like make people do things for them the entire movie like it could have been. Uh, and like, I thought this felt a little familiar and it's not the first wacky glasses episode of a show or movie out there. Like there was a Twilight Zone episode called 2020 Vision mm. where these people they from what i remember is like these people found these glasses and they could look into the future and they would see like if they tried to commit a robbery it would go wrong or they were double crossing each other there's a jetsons episode called, <laughs> called future tense where the mom comes home with all different types of glasses for them and they all do different things like one person sees everybody older one person has x-ray vision and one person can see the not too distant future so they go to the track and they start using it to place bets and stuff you know like other shows have used the crazy glasses premise way better than this and that was just a big disappointment mike we love Corey stuff we found so many hidden gems right yeah yeah but this the middle of this movie is so boring oh it's it's just, I was crawling, crawling through this movie. Yeah, I was pretty bummed about it. And you know me, guys. Like, I always try to find the silver lining, the silver bullet, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I was looking for the fun in something, even if, it, even if I didn't totally enjoy it. I guess Corey Haim is my favorite thing about this movie because he, he seems to be having fun and true and like he's doing his Corey Haim thing Corey Feldman doesn't feel like he wants to be here at all which is surprising because like he's kind of running the show like that's what it you know it sort of feels like he's given himself most of the movie he's making out with Robin Lively he's like <laughs> hanging off of like windowsills and climbing up fire escapes and like meanwhile Corey Haim is pretty much like in prison the whole movie meditating like it's just so strange so wacky this movie but not in a good way it's mostly boring it needed to be more wacky I don't know yeah 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 I mean the production quality isn't really there either I mean the last movie looked so cool it had such a cool vibe you know we talked about how dangerous it made high school feel and like everyone just like felt like they were like insane on some type of level or other and it and it I believe there was some sort of world where you could like do a mind swap with your neighbor if it came to it and it would have you know what man put on the glasses and the two people switch places it's freaky Friday like here we go you know there you go like that's what you do with the glasses <laughs> I don't know, you know? <laughs> it, that makes so much more sense that's more fun but it's like this just turns into a silly heist thing and there's one thing that mike you've mentioned and i think i've mentioned but we've talked about with 90s Corey stuff there's like unnecessary horniness in the film that oh, yeah like i i just don't need here like the first one wasn't about that so much and this one it's like at one point they're under a bed and people are having sex at another point like the girl who is trying to steal the, the sunglasses she's like oh you know the professor he realized that sex was the key to the experiments. I'm like, really? He didn't really seem like that kind of guy. I know she was like trying <laughs> yeah. to seduce him, but still, like, it's weird. It's weird. I don't know. They don't feel like the same characters just because, no. like, just because Corey Feldman's wearing his Michael Jackson jacket like he did in the first movie, you know, and, but Corey Haim, like, doesn't have his cane, doesn't have his, like, red hair. Like, I just don't feel like they're the same 
you know, carry over from the last movie regarding like the horniness and everything. Like it feels so forced. Uh, They keep talking about how like they see the same woman in their dream. So like they call her like their dream girl and it's the woman of their dreams. And he's like, "Ah, like we have the same woman of our dreams, but like who's going to get her first kind of stuff. Uh, It was just really bizarre. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Uh, The other note I had was that uh, Robin Lively dated Corey Haim, but way before this, she dated him like in the eighties. But they, they've been friends for years, so this is definitely like, oh, Robin's our friend. Let's do a movie together sort of thing, which is cool. But don't you wish they had a little bit more chemistry if that was the case? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I love Robin. Love the Livelies. You know, love Jason Lively. Love Blake Lively. Love Ryan Reynolds. Like, great acting family. Lots of fun movies they're in. And I just felt like bad for her in this one you know like she had no idea what she was getting herself into yeah no i don't blame her at all it just seems yeah. like it they mailed a lot of this in and if this is for whatever reason the first episode you're listening to i want to remind you, you out there again that we do love the Corys. we have praised movies on here that they've done that other people have panned so we're not the ones to just throw these bad reviews out there unless we mean it. I know I'm speaking to you, Mike, but I know you agree. Yeah, yeah, no, there's something else going on here. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't even, like, direct-to-video. This is right-to-cable, I think. Like, this just bypassed every kind of distributor, it seems. But I wanted to like it. Like, I I love the first movie. I love the Corys. I love Robin Lively. Like, this felt like a good recipe. You know, I just wish it was more like the first movie in the sense that like after their experience they really got into that transcendental meditation stuff or maybe Corey Haim really picked up on it and Corey Feldman is trying to like forget it because there's traumatic because he was the one in that position and I think it really would have been fun at this point in their career if they body swapped like that should have been oh, Dream a little yeah. Dream too. that's the movie right there People like, oh, the body swap thing is overdone because it's good, okay? It's fun. So <laughs> I agree with you, Mike. I think that, in a nutshell, would be so much better plot than what we get. Anything else you want to mention on Dream a Little, Dream 2? Because I don't have anything else. <laughs> no, man. I mean, after just like cracking the code about it right there, I think I'm good. <laughs> National Lampoon presents A Quest for the Meaning of Life. Sam. Oh, Dave, you look so good. And Dave. Listen, man, you gotta surf the edges if you wanna win. Are having an identity crisis. In a circus? Yeah, yeah. You know what your problem is? The problem is that you're tied too much to material. This chick is not real, okay? Of course she's not real. None of my chicks are real. They're stuck. Don't be evicted. They're out of business. We quit. We quit. Quit! No problem. My Uncle Rex wants us to come to his place, which is Treasure Island. They're on their way to another dimension. Uh Uh-oh! Ta-da! A killer vacation. We're gonna have uh, great fun, big, fat fun. On Uncle Rex's Treasure Island. Wow. Yeah, yeah. They mentioned that I don't wear any underwear. A world of paradise, complete with the hottest babes. The meanest villain. 
Commandant, this one here is the one they call Sam. Ooh, he's cute. And this is the other one, boss. I want you to get rid of them. Everybody says there's a treasure, but no one knows for sure. Well, see, that's why we're going. See, I want to save the school and the island. I want to save it for you and for good old Uncle Rex. If they can find the buried treasure without digging themselves into a hole... Don't blow it. Treasure Island we have walked by this place every day for the last week and i have not once noticed a sign they can save paradise three million dollars from being lost forever vidmark presents corey feldman oh that was nice corey hayes <laughs> This. We gotta look for this treasure because if we don't look for the treasure, he's gonna make us walk the plank. Walk the plank? Well, Sam, man, that's movie stuff. Dave, this is a movie. In National Lampoon's Last Resort. Oh my God, what are we doing? What are we doing with our lives? <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mike. So the next movie that we decided to cover on our. To Corey's season finale. Whew. Remember, these are not high school movies. These are just other two Corey's movies that we wanted to get in before the end of this season. The next film is National Lampoon's Last Resort. Were you familiar with this one, Mike? Yeah, I actually was familiar with this one, Brian. I had seen this one before. Wow. You know why I'd seen this one before? Because I was a teenager in the 90s. Mm. Um this came out in 94 and National Lampoon's The Brand was sort of having a bit of a resurgence in the direct video market. They had such hits like Senior Trip come out around that time. I think Van Wilder might have been a National Lampoon's deal. Uh, and Last Resort was one of those movies that sort of got lost on the rack at one point. But I saw it on HBO, I think, and I watched it because I love the Corys. And upon rewatching it, I remembered a lot of it. I was very surprised. Did you enjoy it? I remember thinking it was bizarre back when I first watched it. Like, it felt experimental before I understood what that meant. And watching it now, I'm like, yeah, this thing is insane. Uh, it's it's real sort of what I've recently called like a movies movie where like it constantly reminds you you're watching a movie that it's this is not taking place in any kind of reality it feels like you're flipping through the pages of national lampoons for the most part which you know gets grating it's not that funny but i give it a lot of style points and i think the Corys are having a lot of fun and i'm having fun watching the Corys at this one yeah it still feels like a cory movie um i have no nostalgia for it so it was a little tough for me at times. Oh, it's so dated, right? It's, well, yeah, we'll get into dated when we talk about the next film. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot. But I expect that kind of from a National Lampoon's thing. So I knew we were going to get a lot of titties, a lot of sex, a lot of things like that. You know what I mean? Like, objectification yeah, yeah. of women. That didn't surprise me, especially, like, where the Corey's heads have been in the 90s. Horny. Very horny. But, Mike, what's funny is that we'll talk Corey Haim movies after this, where he's back in high school. (laughs) 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 And here, neither of them are in high school. They have jobs. I think the synopsis made me laugh so hard. And we didn't do, we haven't been doing the VHSs for these, or at least not the last one. So, in case you did not grow up 
in the in the same generation as Mike did, and you did not see National Lampoon's Last Resort. Here is the back of the VHS, and a reminder: like all these movies in this era that the Coreys are in, pretty much are straight to VHS, which is not an insult because there was a huge Mike. You can speak to this. There was a huge straight to VHS market, as you've mentioned. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, and and now sort of uh, a gold mine of untold treasures to behold back in those old straight DVD videos that you know you can go back and check out for multiple reasons, good and bad. For sure, like for a lot of films, especially lower budget films, it was much more profitable, much more profitable to go straight to VHS than to have a theater release where you were going to lose money probably. <laughs> we wouldn't have the Jack Frost Killer Snowman movies <laughs> if it wasn't for direct to video. So I, you know, round of applause. <laughs> so here's the back of the VHS for National Lampoon's Last Resort. Sam and Dave, which by the way are Corey Feldman and Corey Haim. Which is also a great recording duo. Oh, yeah. Artist Sam and Dave. (laughs) There you go. Are just your average guys leading quiet lives until Sam's crazy old Uncle Rex summons them to his bizarre resort island in the Caribbean. Uncle Rex needs help saving Treasure Island from his old nemesis, Hemlock. Going undercover as CIA agents slash scuba instructors, the guys team up with a hilarious bunch of coconut heads, including... A bubble-headed mermaid, a Rastafarian flasher, and a couple of way bodacious babes. In a wild ending, Sam and Dave must pass the three tests of valor to save crazy Uncle Rex's island. Last Resort is the most outrageous National Lampoon film yet, and is sure uh, to become uh. your best get- <laughs> is, sure- is sure to become your best getaway ever. That that takes balls to see. <laughs> You know, like, screw Animal House, make way for Last Resort. By the way, do the Corys have in their contract at this point that, like, Corey Feldman gets to dress like Michael Jackson when he wants? Oh, oh, yeah, it's got to be in his rider, you know? Like, what I love about him in this movie is, like, he does the Michael Jackson beach collection, which is, like, you know... He's in the the black suit, and it's got all different colored trims. So he's got the one with red trim, yeah. turquoise trim, purple <laughs> trim, white trim, and then the matching sunglasses. But then they're like shorts and kind of like suit vests. Like, it's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> now, this one has surrealist elements that we only could wish were in Dream a Little Dream 2. <laughs> oh, you're right. That's a great call. Yeah, yeah. This is sort of like the pseudo-magical sequel to that. But Mike, I, don't, I was like, do we need them here? Like, I didn't mind them, but it's funny that like this movie had them, and Dream a Little Dream Two did not. Like, you would think it would be the other, the other way around, because this was a pretty straightforward tale if it wasn't for the sort of madness, right? I messaged you, mm-hmm. it reminded me of the obscure Prince Purple Rain sequel, Graffiti Bridge. I don't know if you've seen that one or seen like photos of it's that one. It's it's been wild. forever. It's yeah, wild. It's- and I've been meaning to rewatch Purple Rain uh, as well. Uh, yeah, you know, you're right. Like, we've seen this movie a million times. It's all in the execution. Like, I got to sort of, you know, give a little bit of recognition, I guess, to the director. Uh, Rafael Zylinski, is that how it's pronounced? Yeah, I was not yeah. familiar with him. Director of such hits as Screwballs, Screwballs 2, mm. and Screwball Hotel. But, uh, you know, this this has like a very unique approach to it that I found to be tolerable for the most part. Like, even though I, I've seen it before, I remember watching it the first time going like, oh, this is like 
kind of interesting because of how zany and wacky and uh you know the the cartoon reality that this movie exists in yeah yeah and then honestly that was fine to me i love like the um fake palm trees on the island and stuff like that i love just the aesthetics of the island the story was a little hard to follow at times i really love sonia uh played by marine flanagan i thought she was really good i remember when this movie when i first saw this movie and saw that she was in this movie and it just blows my mind because the only thing i can think of is the amazing short-lived television show that she was in called out of this world where in which she played a half alien i believe that could freeze time by touching her fingers together and the theme song was swinging on a star like i i mean that that show was burned into my mind. She she may have been one of my very first early crushes. I mean, she's she's beautiful. I could I could see why. You know what I mean? Like, especially as a teen. I mean, like, but also she's like quirky and fun. I've heard of this show just because I'm a sitcom junkie. I've never seen it. It lasted four seasons, which is amazing yeah. for any show, right? That that I don't recall i can't remember seeing that many episodes of it but now i really want to track it down and relive some lost memories uh donna pesca was in it as well uh old people like you and me might remember well i feel like i'm a bridge between old and young because i, I wasn't around for saturday night fever and neither were you but <laughs> she, very big role in saturday night fever but young people uh, disney channel fans of even stevens might remember her oh, yeah. as the mom of the Stevens of Shia, right? Shia, Shia and the other, yeah, the two Steve, even in Steven, <laughs> yes, <laughs> the, the, the matriarch of the Steven clan in the show. So that movie's a lot of fun where they go to like the reality island. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> I forgot you covered that for all his movies, yeah, with Joey and the network, it's out there, yeah, which is the finale of the Even Stevens TV show on Disney Channel. So, yeah, Donna Pescow in that show. We're not talking about that show though, we are talking about last resort here so mike favorite moments things you want to discuss from this uh, uh the sure. vhs said the ending was wild so maybe you want to talk about that well, or whatever uh yeah two or three real small things i love the underwater sequence when they go scuba diving and <laughs> you know, they just shot that on a set and pretended they were underwater and and you know that was a lot of fun um it's like a lot of this feels like you're watching a stage play before they go to the island and they burn down the burger joint that they work at they are shown having a conversation on the phone between each other and then they sort of they cut between these two shots they're each on the phone and then they cut out to like a wide shot and you see that like they're in the same room talking to each other on the phone and the room's like split in half and different colors depending on their style. So there's like the Feldman side and the Haim side. So I, I, I did like, you know, what they were doing with the set. Some of it reminds me of like super like G-rated Greg Araki kind of stuff. <laughs> wow, that's a great call. Of course, we covered Greg Araki on here. Which one do we do? Nowhere, I think. Yeah, with Galen. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you could see that, right? Like, there's a bit of that. When you say it like that, it makes the movie seem so much more artistic than it is. <laughs> but you're not wrong. There are some elements of that here. I love how Corey Haim is a hacker. Like, at least the movie tries to depict them as a hacker, but I don't think the movie Hackers comes out for like another two years or <laughs> three years. So it's a little ahead of the curve. Um, sort of already mentioned all of the Feldman, Michael Jackson wardrobe. <laughs> 
Yeah, always good to see Jeffrey Lewis pop up, you know, legendary character actor, throw a rock, and he's probably been in it. Great stuff there. Oh, I, I appreciated the sort of subplot between uh, the uncle and the guy who wanted to buy the island and their sort of devotion to old movies. Like, yeah. they're kind of like reliving their lives by like watching old movies that they were in or something. Like, that was kind of interesting. But overall, you're right. Like, it is very disjointed, um, unconnected, and loosey goosey. Like, it's just, it's, it's basically. Corey's go to his uncle's resort and try to save it, and hijinks ensue. Like one, <laughs> You're right. Like one of them sleeps with a mermaid. Okay. <laughs> I love the old hijinks ensue line, but it's so true here. It is truly one of those hijinks ensue movies. Oh man! And again, a lot of sexual situations and sexual conversation and. Things like that, things that they thought appealed to men at the time, or young men, I should yeah, say. Yeah, like young, like I would say, even like to take it further, like young straight men. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> even probably young straight white men. Honestly, I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> I mean, there's even like that reggae band, like you know, ska was really popular in the 90s and like on an upswing and reggae was coming back and this one there's a reggae band fronted by an elvis impersonator yeah dread zeppelin okay so yeah did the soundtrack it was actually in my notes the theme song is really good but mike be specific white reggae was getting very popular in this era well that's what ska is right <laughs> no it's different man and no it- Hey, man, it's more than just faster. (laughs) Oh, man. I looked up this band, Dread Zeppelin, and yeah, they're a California band, best known for performing Led Zeppelin songs in reggae style, sung by an Elvis impersonator. You know what? Look, yeah. (laughs) That's almost the perfect sentence. I didn't even think of the Gregoraki thing. When you mentioned that and mentioned this band... That's a band you would see in a Gregoraki film. <laughs> yeah, it's just that sort of like weird combo sandwich that he so seamlessly f- seems to do so easily in his movies that make them so contradictory, but like bizarrely watchable, you know? And it's just like one of those things like, yeah, like Elvis and reggae. What? I guess so. <laughs> like, okay, in the Corey movie. Right. No problem. Let's like also throw National Lampoons into the mix. Got anything else like on your mind? It's just like throwing darts at a board at one point. I love it. And this is like, you know, Corey Feldman is the star, but there's a decent amount of Corey Haim in here. You know what I mean? Like it still feels like they're that buddy team. Yeah, his character is the the main character, I feel, only because it's his uncle's island, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like they pretty much share the same amount of screen time. Mostly, at least more so than the next movie we're going to talk about. (laughs) I bring it up, too, for that exact reason, Mike. 1994, this film. It's the last uh, two Corys film for four years, or three three or four years. I want to get into Busted, the next film, but anything else we want to say on this film? There's something else, and now I can't remember it. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. So you mentioned the veneration for old films here. I do love the concept of, like, Sort of like an Errol Flynn or like an old movie star reclaiming his glory and having like a sort of themed island resort based on (laughs) him. Because you know, like, especially in today, where nostalgia is like king, that that would actually work. 
people would go and be like, oh my god, this person has this, right? Like th- today, they could probably earn different sort of in- a different sort of income, right? They could have a reality show. They could just screen their movies or go to conventions or whatever. But this is like in that vein of just like living your past glory, and hopefully, you get some fan people to keep <laughs> keep your memory alive if you will so yeah i just want to mention that i actually liked that premise that is pretty fun like yeah it makes me wonder almost why there isn't like a james bond sort of theme park or cruise or resort i guess is that the, you know like because when you said errol flynn my mind immediately went to like oh like imagine if sean connery opened like a james bond casino one time or something you know uh like along that line but it would have to be the broccolis because they control that property. But you understand what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I like that. That's, that's a fun concept. Like that in alone would have been enough for a movie, you know, like you didn't really need to involve the Corys trying to save the resort. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. So I think that's all I have to say about last resort. No teens in this really. So no need for us to have a full episode on it, but we just felt like we needed to mention it. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the curses of, being completionists and you know, <laughs> i was telling robin the other day you know like we just go too far you know like <laughs> we definitely have it because like it's funny and then it's funny and it's fun and then it's fun and you know and it's so much fun and every movie it's more and more fun and then it gets to a point where it's like that documentary we watched on Corey, and it's like what what like <laughs> This is just wrong. Like we went too far. Like we we pierced the breach, you know. Um. <laughs> but now that we're here, like we have to keep doing it. That's what. That's how I feel. Well, that's exactly. Well, that's the other. That's like the explorers of old, right? Like, you know, it got to a point where they're in the middle of the ocean. It's like we can't turn back now. That's the Honor. positive, right? Like think of like <laughs> think of Henry Hudson. You know, he discovers Hudson River. Got a lot of stuff named after him, but he's like, no, I need to find India. So he starts going all the way into Canada, and Hudson Bay is named after him because he started just keep kept going north and going north, and his crew ended up abandoning him on Hudson Bay <laughs> and said, you know what, this isn't working, and no one ever saw him again, and that's kind of us with the Corys, right? Abandoned yeah. on a frozen bay. <laughs> Precisely. By our own crew. Yeah. So. <laughs> and maybe the, maybe the high school slumber party listeners at this point, who knows? Yeah, the lesson here, slumberers, mutiny. <laughs> Amity, please, is this an emergency? Uh, yes, I would have the greatest respect for you if you could hook me up with you. have many different kinds of girls there. Yes, sir. Do you have a preference for your afternoon pleasure? Yes, uh, something in a redhead with big broad shoulders. Ah, someone will be right over to pick you up. David, we got one! Yeah, who's it for? Bammy! Ah. Oh, good. Wake her up. Wait, it's Dr. Kaplan. She doesn't need to be awake. <laughs> so the last film we'll talk about on our on our series finale here of our second annual Two Corey's Lap <laughs> is Busted. 1997. <sighs> I'm just going to read the back of the VHS right now, get it out of the way so we can talk about this thing. No robberies, no homicides, no accidental deaths, just an alarming increase in women jumping from their showers and running across the screen nude. Hey, you know what? That's accurate. Busted. (laughs) (laughs) Officer David Carroll is in charge. That's questionable. Okay. 
of the craziest, sexiest cops and nonstop squad room partying. When the mayor installs a no-nonsense Captain May to reform the station, Carol and his misfits have to clean up their act unless they can get the straight-laced May to loosen up first. The result is revealing. Woo! Okay. Okay. This isn't your father's police academy. Exactly. So, Mike, actually, we talked about this on (laughs) on our other show. Uh, I briefly mentioned this on our other show, uh, Uncle Francis Winesellar, when talking the author and Robert Evans, that I thought the Bill Hader character from somebody's roast. I I don't know whose roast it was, but uh, the king of Hollywood, the mayor of Hollywood, whatever. Yes, yes, yes. so, So when he introduces or sorry when he roasts andy samberg in that roast okay he's like andy samberg that's right when he was starting brooklyn 99 and he's like you got a new show brooklyn 99 funny cops how original (laughs) (laughs) andy samberg correct pronunciation Looking forward to your new show, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Funny cops. You're always pushing the envelope, Andy. Exactly, exactly. Funny cops. Howard Jones. Literally, Keystone Cops. Keystone Cops, yeah. Before we have sound in movies, we have the (laughs) fucking Keystone Cops. And, And they think that this is an original funny idea? Jesus Christ. Like that, I also find to be just infinitely the greatest is that ever since films were made, they've been busting on cops. (laughs) 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 They've been fucking making fun of cops. (laughs) Um, Like they're like, what? What can we make movies about? And the one guy stood up immediately and was like, "Let's make fun of the police. (laughs) 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 They they suck." and they've kept sucking. Uh, so, yeah, no, but the biggest fucking mind blower here is directed by the man himself, Corey Feldman. So we watched that Lifetime movie about the two Corys, and it really painted Corey Feldman, he was a producer on it, as like the good Corey and Corey Haim yeah. as the bad Corey. I don't know if that's true, but I think it's very clear that Corey Haim sort of unfortunately descends into... Like mm-hmm. drug use and just I don't know, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's also Feldman also has talked. I believe. I mean, I might be wrong. I mean, he has not talked a lot at all. Like, really? Ah, uh, he has, but about weird. Well, I mean, about like sexual what I'm allegations. About. Okay, so well, sorry. no, well, I think what I'm about to say is like he was more financially stable. You know, mm. he had like, uh, you know, I think he had a more of a keen business sense and invested in things because he's living pretty comfortably still, you know, like he's not really producing much and he's still like, you know, seems to be pretty comfortable. That was my understanding. And this movie seems to be like, I got to, you know, help out my friend Corey Haim a little, like try and give him at least like a couple scenes here or there. So you're kind of right, but I also see a sinister element here, too. I'm not accusing anyone of anything. Sinister, okay, sinister is too dark of a word, right? Brian, Brian, I mean, 
We rewrite history so we could deal with the pain. Oh, I mean, nice. <laughs> nice. You know, I mean, we just learned that in the offer. Like, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how else to. Yeah. So I think that's what Feldman's doing, perhaps. Maybe. I don't know. But so here's here's what I read about this movie. Right. Corey Feldman hadn't really hung out or talked with Corey Haim for a while. Whatever, he was given the opportunity to direct this film, help produce it, kind of concept it. This was his baby. Now, you could have a reading of it where, like you said, you know, he's trying to help Corey Haim out, giving him a job. That's true. But there's also a reading that I could see here where he's like, I know people might, more eyes might watch this if it's a two Corey's movie. Mm, yeah, I mean, yeah. And Corey Haim's even on the cover. I don't know if Corey Feldman, that was his idea or the producer's idea, but that's what makes me think like, oh, let's market this more as a two Corey's movie. Now, you might have noticed, Mike, uh, Corey Haim is not in the movie much. Well, he was supposed to be. Yeah, I could see at least two characters he should have played. He was supposed to just essentially be in an equal to Corey Feldman, but Corey Feldman has told two stories about this, right? Okay. The story he told for years was that his drug use on set was too so bad that he had to fire him. That he like he had to fire his friend and said, "You know, you're not showing up to set. When you're here, you're not really doing anything. You're not acting. You know, it's not great." So he fired him. Then he subsequently has told a story that this is after the rape allegations. Remember, there was oh yeah yeah. Rem- Ironically, and for whatever reason, in the Lifetime movie, he was played by Keith Coogan, which still boggles my mind. But but, but Corey Feldman's manager was allegedly a rapist of Corey Haim. Right, right. And he was on set, and he was... I don't know if he was one of the producers, but he was definitely someone who was a big part of the movie. Apparently, Feldman didn't know at the time. And when... This is Feldman's story. When Corey Haim saw him on set, he got into a physical altercation with him. Got it. And he was fired because of that. And okay. Fel- I think Feldman said he blamed drugs at the time. Look, it could have been both, too. Let's be honest. Yeah. Because he's also an actor in the movie. Do you know the character of Evan? He's all- By the way, this guy's also in Last Resort, too. Uh, the alleged rapist. Really? Yeah, he's the chef in Last Resort. Dominic Braschia? Yes, that's that's who Corey Hamas says the alleged rapist. So that kid, that guy. Sorry, Corey is... Feldman. Corey Hamas never said that. Corey Feldman said that, but he raped Corey Hamas. That's what Corey Feldman so said. Here's a fucking weird Corey connection: is that he was an actor in Friday the Thirteenth Five. That's how they met. Yeah, yeah. That's how they. Oh my god, that's so weird. Yeah, and then he became his manager slash. I don't know. I, and he plays a very problematic. It's a very problematic performance in in that movie by this guy. Anyway, oh, <laughs> oh in uh, Friday the Thirteenth Five. Yeah, yeah, he he plays a character, a mentally impaired character. Oh, and, okay. And it's, it's like a simp- It's like a simple Jack kind of portrayal. Ooh, okay, okay. So not good. Not not very good. Do you remember his character in Busted? Do you remember a guy named Evan? No. Barely. I bear. Oh wait, is he the oh, guy, the fat guy in the shower? He's the he's the big guy. He's like the one who's. Oh, so, yeah, oh, yeah. So he's a prominent role here. Yeah, yeah, he does. This is bizarre. Oh boy, this this <sighs> this movie though, Brian. I mean, let me ask you a couple questions 
that I had, <sighs> if, I, if I may. You may, but I'm not happy about it. Okay, was this conceived as a telenovela? Because... <laughs> I think you're dissing it, telenovelas right now, to be honest with you. Well, I mean, it feels like it was shot in Spanish. Now... Yes, do you want to talk let, about Let's this? rewind. Let's rewind. This is available to watch online for free, but only dubbed in Spanish with English subtitles. Like, what on earth is going on with the distribution of this movie? I felt like I was watching something from another dimension. It's a dimension where, like, everyone spoke Spanish and all the Corey movies were in Spanish. And, like, I was honestly convincing myself because of the way it's directed because of the acting and it's like it's so big and so over the top and so consistent like non-stop like it's his version of a national lampoon's movie basically that all takes place in a police station but it felt like it was designed like as a spanish comedy or something or as like a foreign language comedy it, it's just so zany i don't know i mean i'm not i don't know <laughs> a, lot, a lot to digest there i love your depiction of that but yeah so to be clear mike and i both tried to watch this we even were willing to pay to rent this film if it was on somewhere you can't even rent it in english the only truly accessible place it is is a spanish dub that's on both voodoo and what's the other one Tubi. Tubi. And, and and they're not available like i have the apps on my tv my smart tv and you can't watch them that way. You have to watch it off of a computer. Like I had to watch it off of the website, the Voodoo website, off of the browser. Like I don't know why. Interesting. And it didn't. It didn't show up on Tubi when I searched for it. Because there's more than one movie called Busted, you know. So you have to like search for Busted and then like maybe put the year in or put Corey next to it, and it wasn't popping up. Yeah, it was the like a harder movie to find than I thought, and I can't believe both of both you and I watched this in Spanish, a Spanish dub, with, yeah, with subtitles. I mean, I know enough Spanish to kind of understand it, but I didn't really fucking need to understand it. Let's be honest. <laughs> this is I know. This, this movie has full on Corey Feldman sex scenes in it. You don't see penis, but Ugh, you see his butt. Yeah, you see his butt, like threesomes, it's like his fantasy. Ron Jeremy's in it at one point. Ugh, Todd Bridges is here? Uh, it's like... Elliot Gould popped up and kissed his Corey Feldman on the mouth. They were just like, we need to get like a bigger celebrity, let's just pay him as much money as we can. Brian, this was 1997, like, Friends was still on. Yeah, that's a good point. What is Elliot Gould doing here? I don't know, man. I don't know. And I know what Todd Bridges is doing here. <laughs> I mean, Rance Howard. I mean, you know, that's Ron Howard's dad. I mean, the guy is like kind of oh, Hollywood. Royalty. I didn't know that. Like, why? I mean, is he just here because he's trying to be in as many movies as possible? That's how it feels. This movie has zero redeemable qualities, unfortunately. I wish it had better. I'll say this. I'll say this about it. Corey cut his hair. Yeah. All right. He doesn't have like the long Michael Jackson look. And there is a energy to this that I can't understand how he managed to capture like a certain energy. Like, I'm not saying it's good. You know, I'm not necessarily saying like I'm enjoying it. I'm just saying like he did do something. It's not my cup of tea, but I could see 
somebody getting enjoyment out of this. Like the way I could kind of tolerated last resort on, on, a, <laughs> on a higher, on a higher level than this, you know, they're, they're pretty close. They're very, very similar as far as quality of jokes, as far as, you know, direction. I, I would say the only thing that puts it over the top for last resort are like, is like the set dressing, you know, in this movie, we'd never leave the police station. And it just, it feels so confining and it drive, it drove me mad. It is Keystone cops, but with a lot of sex. Like it really is. And it's like, they can't even find the front door to leave the goddamn police station. No. And they, they, to their credit, they make jokes about it. They're like, do you never leave? You know? So did you explain the plot? Because it took me forever to realize what the hell was going on. What? I mean, I read the back of the VHS. Is there a plot? It's just like, well, it's like they're running a brothel out of the police station, in, and that is giving their town like the name of no, like it gives them like no crime in their city, which is Amity, and it's I Why guess supposed again? because there's a big sign with a shark and like a Ghostbuster symbol over it, so you know no sharks because Amity is from the movie Jaws. Yeah, so that's a joke. That's like the caliber of joke that we're that we're dealing with here. You know, I guess you couldn't, like, ask Patton Oswalt for, like, an hour to help you out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he couldn't spare a grand. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, so, like, the cops are the pimps, basically. Yeah, the, the cops are the pimps, and there's, like, a hot lady who, who comes in to, like... Anytime there's a hot lady who's like straight laced in one of these movies, you know she's going to turn to the dark side at some point. <laughs> yeah, the whole movie is the the new inspector or the new sheriff or whoever the new who is it the sheriff, right? I don't know. I don't know. The new commander, commissioner, commissioner Gordon. Anyway, it's like that story. It's like oh no, like the the new bosses come in so like we all gotta straighten up and fly right and then she does her inspection and it's like we gotta hide all the sex we're having uh and then by the end she finds out but she's like you know what i'm actually kind of into this and um deep 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 in the background they're trying to find a peeping tom who turns out to be the mayor so uh by the end they're allowed to like carte blanche they could do like whatever they want uh, but you know what i was thinking brian like i really gotta go rewatch hot fuzz because that's how, <laughs> that's how you do funny cops that's the last movie that needed to be made about the funny cop oh man i don't know i mean like hot fuzz is great there are great funny cop movies and brooklyn 99 itself was great right but like this was this movie depressed me busted because it was just it feels like people trying to latch on to fame through sex. And a lot of the jokes are yeah. so unfunny. Like, remember there's like a lady in a bikini, Jay walking, and she's carrying the letter J. Oh, the one time they actually left the police station. <laughs> That's right. I forgot. Also, when, what did she say when she's like, you know, uh, something about the big book or something, and then they all went and stood by like a giant book. It's like it's like they wanted to do, you know, uh, Police Squad or what, the Naked Gun. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that too, and that's you know, funny cops that work. Yeah, OJ, hilarious. <laughs> now, how can I put it? At least both these last movies we talked about, and I think Dream a Little Dream too, were 90 minutes long. It wasn't like it was a slog, but it's a slog in a sense. We watched it in Spanish, and now I see what you mean. It definitely does feel like that kind of silly Spanish comedy that 
you tend to see in a telenovela. Yeah, I, I mean, I only, I didn't say that disrespectfully. No, I know, like, I, I know. I, you know, like, I love the telenovela. There's an art to it. And this is just, like, channeled and filtered through Corey Feldman's eyes, you know? And it's just like he watched too many of them in his trailer waiting to be called to set or something. And it's like, oh, it's easy. Like, you got a setting and you add sex, you know? And it's, no, it's not that easy, you know? You got to add, like, murder and intrigue and, 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 you know, it's got to be, you know, there's got to be more passion or something, right? But this is, like, a step away from, like, porn at some points, right? Like, you see full frontal several times. And I was like... Not prepared for that in a Corey Corey movie, you know. It's just like yikes. Um, okay, yeah, it's you're right when you well, literally has Ron Jeremy as we said, but you're right. It feels like a step down from porn, like porn parody stuff. Well, it's it, you know what it is. It's all of the skit. It's like all skit, but no sex. And then, well, some sex, but just not. Well, I was gonna say when they cut to the sex scenes, it's like. The bear, bear man. It's not even like Skinamax. Yeah, like they don't even know how to do that right. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Again, did I need to see naked Corey Feldman having a threesome in a shower? I did not. No, absolutely. Especially not. when he's the director, there's a creepiness factor there, where he's probably like, you know, oh, just do this to me. Like what? <laughs> I I loved how like the credits, the first credits are like Corey Feldman presents. Corey Feldman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Corey Haim in. <laughs> Busted. Uh, it's got its own theme song. Yeah, they're really psychedelic, too. Uh, so let's like talk about that elephant in the room, or not in the room, or at the police station. Officer Clifford, Corey Haim shows up at around the 44-minute mark. Okay, okay. I'm like, Mike, I'm so glad you brought this up. I was going to forget to talk about this, because I forgot Corey Haim was in this movie. I know. I'm going, where the fuck is he? Why isn't he playing this guy? The guy with blonde hair, bleach blonde hair, and kooky sunglasses. That's silly. Why isn't he playing that guy? I don't know. I think he was supposed to... You know, there's like a right-hand command guy. Right, right. I think he was supposed to be that guy as well. Because they don't explain, like, oh, here's Officer Haim. You know what I mean? He's just there for some scenes. Yeah, he comes in at, like, the 44-minute mark, and he's, like, asking about some girl that I don't think we've seen before. And the guy's looking at him like he's never seen him before. And and, and he just kind of, like, leaves the scene. I think they're talking about, like, oh, he runs into the guy who has the, the two brunettes want to do him, and he's a virgin, so he doesn't know if he should do a threesome. And, and Corey Haim's like, yeah, you should do the threesome, man. He's like, not that I would know. I don't <laughs> do threesome. Uh, and then he like leaves and then he's in two more scenes where he's just kind of sitting around the table with everybody else. And I don't really think he has any lines. He just kind of does like reactions and stuff. <sighs> Again, theory, it's, theory it's, one, it's he got into a fight on set. Theory two, he was fired because of drugs. Maybe theory three is a mix of both. You can tell that he was planned for the movie more yeah. and just, it did not work out. Like it, it almost even feels like there is minutes and minutes and minutes of this character Clifford on the cutting room floor that they just could not use because he was just, you know, high on camera or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's just like the performance value was unusable to a degree where it's just like, we got to cut Clifford down to about three minutes, you know? So like maybe his character was this same guy, but maybe he was in the whole movie and they just like axed him from it. Yeah. 
Because I, yeah. I mean, I, I hate, <laughs> honestly, yeah. Like I hate to bring this up, but like Jason Muse has talked about it, and Kevin Smith has talked about it, and you could even they talk about it on the commentary for Dogma. Jason Muse was using during the making of that movie, and there's a moment where Kevin Smith had to cut around him nodding off in the middle of a scene because he was like on heroin and it's it, it's wow. one of the scenes at the end of the strip club sequence where jason lee is like has them all sitting in front of him or something and like they cut back and forth and you could see jason muses alert jason muses passed out jason muses like alert jason muses passed out so that kind of stuff might have been happening and it could have just got to the point where like we just can't use this footage <sighs> like this movie depresses me you're so right though like, that's probably what happened. And unfortunately, you know, Corey Haim, we lost him. So he Yeah, way get, too soon. And he like, doesn't get to tell his side of the story here. So I would like to hear his side of the story. This is not yeah. the last to Corey's film. Technically, there's a Lost mm. Boys uh-huh. that, that has the two of them. Yeah. Can I spoil that for you? Sure. Because I don't know if we want to sit through that. Because from what I understand, it's a like a post-credit scene, oh, I think. But, 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 Mike, we have to do them all. I want to do one day, like, where we just... Because it does have Corey Feldman. We should just do true, all, true, true. all the Lost Boys movies and do an episode yeah. kind of like this. Um, but nothing compares to the original, obviously. But they made, like, three or four more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, where am I going? You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So anything else for Busted, or should we just conclude our Corey series here? Yeah, let's just let's just call it, you know, why not? Like this seems like a good place to to throw the book at it. Okay, Mike, so I'm going to run through the movies we covered on this lap and oh. just get your thoughts not on all of them because that's what the mm-hmm. podcast is for, just your thoughts on lap 2 if you will. All right, so we did Stand by Me. Oh, yeah. Way back Terri- when. Terrific. Terrific. Just had the Feldman, but still great movie and this isn't in any order this is just literally uh i'm looking at the imdb so Dem- yeah. demolition high which was underrated oh alan thick <laughs> kids. kids remember that line yeah, at the yeah. end fast getaway yeah. another underrated one. Ooh, yeah super stunts love the bridge stunt yeah never forget watchers which i think we had fun with Watchers was the dog, yeah, the dog one, yeah. Linked to the monster loved Watchers. Oh, Jason Priestley. So this was, I think, this was a good lap as I go along. Then we had, mm-hmm. then we had Blown Away with Larson, which was a blast as well. Oh boy, tough <laughs> yeah, movie, but away. a blast to talk about. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, Nicole Egger, you poor soul. Silver Bullet, <laughs> which was fun. Oh yeah, Uncle Busey, Funkle Busey in the house fighting a baseball bat wielding werewolf because. <laughs> Why not? You know, because <laughs> werewolves need weapons. It's gotten so wacky in the Corey-verse, but we're having a blast. Uh, speaking of wacky, Me, Myself, and I, the Corey Haim documentary that we did with Austin. That's the one where I feel like we, we went too far. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one where you look at yourself in the mirror and the next day and you're like, what happened last night? <laughs> and then, of course these three we covered today so honestly i think it was a win i think we covered a lot of fun movies we discovered some new ones so next year 2023 we will cover some more Corey movies and if if you're out there you're thinking like how could there be more Corey movies there are a ton more yeah 
I mean, just stop what you're thinking because <laughs> I made the same mistake. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of thing where like someone who worked at like a, like a old movie theater found a unmarked reel on eBay, bought it, fired it up and found out it was a lost Corey's movie. You know, I'm like who knows what the hell the future holds. Who knows? I'm with it if it happens, but I can't believe this is going to be a three-year project. Maybe three years will be enough. We'll see. But <laughs> I can't wait, Mike. And, of course, Mike, you're the superintendent now. You'll be on High School Slumber Party a lot this summer. Besides for High School Slumber Party, tell the slumbers out there what you're doing, what your Instagram and Twitter handle is, and everything great. you got to promote something for the both of us, too. Oh, boy. Okay, so... Uh, I guess I'll start with my Twitter handle because everybody's tweeting these days. It's uh, at the underscore Mikester. So find me there. Yeah, Brian and I have this great show called Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar, where we are going through the history of Francis Ford Coppola's films cut by cut, meaning he has at least two cuts of at least half of his movies, which is just a remarkable statistic just and multiple cuts of certain films and we have started with the tv show the offer from paramount plus which let me tell you bubby it's it's just fantastic you just you gotta check it out uh that show's a lot of fun the shows brian and i are doing are a lot of fun so check us out there at cageclub.me let's see this year uh i'm on a bunch of shows so they're all at cageclub.me but a bunch of the shows that i do have had movies come out this year so i'll start with top gun maverick uh joey lewandowski and i have reviewed that on our show cruise club about tom cruise elvis elvis the movie starring tom hanks as colonel tom parker we reviewed that on our show hanks for the memories let's see nick cage the titular cage club we have reviewed the unbearable weight of massive talent. Go check out that review. We review every single new Nick Cage movie. Um, I have a show called Third Times a Charm about the third installment of a franchise that Brian is my unofficial co-host of, and that comes out the third of the month every month. And I have a show uh, that uh, people seem to really enjoy called The Monsters That Made Us with my co-host Dan Colon. That is the final Friday of every month where in which we are going through the history of the Universal Monster movies, the old Universal Monster movies. Starting there, who knows where the future will take us, but it will be filled with monsters, that's for sure. Yeah, so I think that's about it for now. Brian, thank you for the platform. This has been a lot of fun. I'm ready to detox from Corey for a while, maybe poor choice of words, but uh, <laughs> was get it out of my system. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking that. Well, Mike, a blast as always. I'm sure I'll talk to you this week, next week, whenever, but uh, thanks as always. Big thank you to Mike Manzi, our superintendent, for keeping us on the air and for joining us for this episode to bring to a close season two of our two Corys series. There'll be a season three at some point, but for now, it's nice to take a little bit of a break from the Corys and focus on other things. Of course, part of the assignment to get High School Slumber Party back on the full-time Cage Club schedule is to do some episodes that Superintendent Mike Manzi wants to do that aren't Cory-related. And he chose this film, and I can't wait to talk about it because it seems really fun. It is called Space Camp. Atlantis, do you copy? This is Atlantis. Radio check satisfactory. Over. Ah!
Space Camp. America's real training ground for future astronauts. I'm going to be the first female shuttle commander. Catherine, you're not a passenger, you're a pilot. Buy it. Do you want Space Camp? My father wants Space Camp, but I want uh, my head examined. Please return your seats and trade tables to their full upright position. Remember everything I read. It's a real drag sometimes. What did you get on your SATs? 800s. And what is your name? Rudy Tyler, ma'am. Spit it out, Rudy. Rudy Tyler, ma'am! The green one right next to the red. At 0900 Thursday, we're going to test fire the engines, and some of you will be able to sit in this. Earth to Catherine. Stand, Stand by, by for main engine tests. She's all yours. Four. Three, two, go for main engine test. test. We have main engine test. We have overheat on booster B. What does that mean? We can't stop it. Booster B is near ignition. It's going to light. Get that thing operational. Go for launch now. We're not authorized. Lighters are they're going to die. impossible mistake launch them into space the adventure of their lives will be getting back home space camp so that's your summertime homework to watch space camp it's available on youtube so not a hard watch and from what i've heard it's a fun watch so check that out That'll be our next episode. And one more thing before I let you guys go. Remember that life moves pretty fast. And if you don't stop looking around once in a while, you could miss it. Let's leave you with a band we mentioned on the episode because they do the soundtrack for Dream a Little Dream. Here is Dread Zeppelin. Later, dudes. Oh, there's a place you can go when the people say Oh, just a little south of the Miami Take off your blue suede shoes and put your feet in the sand Rock and run the clock into a reggae band It's over. Go home. Go.